Hello and welcome to Cumber Baptist Church Podcast. The following is taken from our evening service, Sunday the 17th of November 2019. This evening we are joined by Pastor Neil Gordon, who takes his reading from Ecclesiastes 2, verses 1 to 11, and brings us a message entitled, Vanity, All is Vanity. Good evening, and I want to thank you for your warm welcome once again. And also for uh, just even the fellowship I was able to uh, share with you, even in chat with you after this morning. It was lovely to meet you all. Uh, we're going to turn tonight to the book of Ecclesiastes, the book of Ecclesiastes in chapter 2. should also say it's good to have fellowship and renew fellowship again with Audrey. I uh, began to wonder, as Audrey tend to follow me around? Because actually Audrey was at ours last week at Shankill Baptist, so it's good to see you once again, Audrey. But we're turning to Ecclesiastes chapter 2 tonight. We're going to read from verses 1 to verse 11. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, beginning to read at verse 1. I said in my heart, Come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this also was vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad and of pleasure, what use is it? I searched with my heart now to cheer my body with wine, my heart still guiding me with wisdom, and how to lay hold on folly, till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. I made great works. I built houses. And I planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. I bought male and female slaves. And had slaves who also were born in my house. I had also great possessions of herds and flocks. More than any who had been gathered before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines to the delight of the sons of man. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. And whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure. For my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done, and the toil I had expended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity, and a striving after wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. Let's ask for God's blessing, even as we study this passage together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do want to give you thanks once again for your word. Father, we give thanks even for the the ministry and song that has already taken place. For even the choruses that we sung, helping even to focus our, our thoughts even upon you and upon the cross. And so, Father, tonight as we consider this one man's struggle and striving in his life, may it point us even to the answer to be found in Christ. Father, help us tonight, even as we turn to your word. Father, teach us and may your Holy Spirit even impress its great truths and its lessons even upon our hearts. And so, Father, help us just now in Jesus' name. Amen. 
You know, there are many who go through life with the attitude of, if only. They think to themselves, if only I had more friends. Or if only I had maybe that nicer car or that nicer house. Or if only I had more money. They hunger for more. Jane Park was just 17 when she thought all of her problems were solved. The things that she wished for in life seemingly came true. She thought she got all she wished for. She won a million. She won a million in the lottery. Yet as soon as she thought she'd find the wealth that she wanted all that time, the wealth that she thought would bring her happiness, she found actually it didn't quite bring her what she expected. At the age of 21, she then considered legal action against the lottery bosses for ruining her life, she says. She says the winnings have failed to offer her long-term happiness. In an interview, she said this, I thought it would make it ten times better, but actually, it's made it ten times worse. I wish I had no money most days, she says. I say to myself, life would be so much easier if I hadn't won. She said many people looked at her, looked at her lifestyle she was living, looked at her money, but they didn't realize the great extent that actually that had brought her stress. Rather than bringing joy, it brought her stress. And her life felt empty. What was her purpose? That's what she asked. But there are countless examples through history of many who were like that. Many who achieved what they thought would bring them happiness. And they actually found it didn't. One such man was King Solomon. He strived after a number of things in his life. In our Bible, there's a number of his writings here. In, this, in uh, the book of uh, Proverbs and so on as well, the Song of Solomon, and in this book, Ecclesiastes as well. And while Solomon's name isn't mentioned directly here, we're told at the beginning of this book in chapter 1 that it's written by the son of David, a king in Jerusalem, one who obtained greatness, one who gained more wisdom even than all who were before him in Jerusalem. No other surely than Solomon could be described that way. And it's clear that if Solomon didn't write it, then surely it's someone else talking from Solomon's perspective. If there was ever a man who had been there, who had tried everything, Solomon was it. He'd gotten off to a good start in his life. He was a man who'd asked God for wisdom, and God had given him this. He'd even built a temple so that God's people would worship in it. But over the course of his life, he began to change. Over the course of life, he pursued other things. And like that girl who had won the lottery, while he gained a lot too, he found that those things which promised so much actually left him feeling empty. Let's look at this chapter for a little while and why look at the subject firstly of why sometimes feel, people feel empty in this world today. People feel empty because they seek things that, which can't satisfy you know, as you read through the book of Ecclesiastes, there's one word that the writer talks about often. And you'll find this as you read through the book. It's this word, vanity. Now, he's not talking about someone who's vain in appearance. No, he's using this word to describe the, the quality of something. The word in Hebrew basically means a breath or a vapor. It means something that is fleeting, something even that's elusive. I heard one person describe it or helpfully explain it like this. 
It's a little bit like, have you ever seen a child playing with soapy bubbles? They love seeing the bubbles float. They look beautiful. They try and reach for them. They try and grab them in their hands. And yet every time when they reach for them, the bubble simply disappears. It's the same sense of that word here. The things that Solomon has strived for, the things that he tried to pursue in his life, while he thought they would offer promise, actually left him wanting. Let's look at some of the things that he sought for. The first thing we read here in verse 1. He sought even to to seek for pleasure. He said to himself, let's try amusement and pleasure. Let's live life to the full. Let's live it up. He uses different words even here to describe it. Pleasure, he talks of laughter. You know, he's talking about something even that brings joy to the senses. Like the fun of a game or a, a party or like rich foods. Pleasure, talking about something that seemed good to him at the time. But instead he found that was vanity, something that was fleeting. It didn't last. What was there once soon faded away. He says of laughter, it's just, it's madness, foolishness. What does it accomplish? Now we're not saying it's not wrong to want to be happy. The Christian can enjoy themselves too. We can enjoy ourselves too, you know. And he, Solomon was a man, though, who tried striving for happiness, but he tried finding it in the wrong places. He found that that enjoyment that he found in those things actually didn't last long. And, you know, it's tragic that some of the world's greatest comedians have often led the most tragic of lives. Derek Tidball, in his little commentary on Ecclesiastes, tells the story of Tony Hancock. And the I'm sure many of you might remember. One of the most loved comedians. And in 1961, they reckon at the height of his career, he entertained around 15 and a half million people. 30% of the population of the United Kingdom. With Hancock's half hour. You can still hear it repeated, I'm told, in Radio 4 Extra even today. And you know, he was successful at making others laugh. He was Yet in 1968, tragically, Hancock committed suicide. You see, his personal life was actually very different than the laughter on the stage. He'd actually been deeply unhappy for many years. And he sought to understand himself, yet never managed to do that. Privately, his friends recalled how they often frequently talked with him about purpose and why we exist. But yet he wouldn't accept the answers. One of his colleagues, Kenneth Williams, who you may remember, he even suggested to him one time perhaps faith could explain the apparent meaninglessness of his life. Perhaps faith could give him the reason, the purpose. But yet he said he rejected it. Because he said, I don't think I can prove it. Spike Milligan, another famous comedian, said, one by one he shut the door on all the people he knew. And then he shut the door on himself. How tragic. A man who searched for laughter, who made others laugh, but yet his own was so tragic. You know, many people simply go through life just simply going from experience to experience. And Solomon does the same thing. He tried the same thing even as well. Verse 3. He tried, he says, even I searched my heart with how to cheer the body with wine. You know, all the wise, he says, I sought to be wise in my heart. In other words, he said, I tried these things and 
Perhaps maybe he didn't come addicted. Maybe he didn't get to the stage of getting out of control and he thought, I'll use my wisdom and I'll try and control this in my life. But he was saying, you know, I'm going to try just and enjoy myself how I want. You know, I listen to the radio sometimes when I travel about. And I listen to Radio 2 sometimes. And that's how I was talking this morning about how things change. I used to be a Radio 1 listener, but as I find myself getting older, I now find I like Radio 2 more. Maybe in a few more years I'll go to Radio 3, you never know. But one of the shows I used to love was Simon Mayo's Drive Time. And he used to begin this show the same way at 5 o'clock every night with this. Enjoy yourself. It's later than you think. Enjoy yourself while you're still in the pink. The years go by as quickly as a wink. Enjoy yourself. Enjoy yourself. It's later than you think. You know how often I think that expresses the sentiment of this age we're living in? Many people are simply going from pleasure to to pleasure, just simply trying to try one thing after another. Trying to get the latest experience, trying to these things that they think make them happy. But yet it doesn't. Let's look at another thing that Solomon sets up for us here. It's almost like he's setting up these things that are idols in people's lives and he's knocking them down one by one. So what's the next one he presents? Work, verses 4 to 6. He looks over his working life. He looks at his accomplishments. He says, I've made great works. And we get a sense of pride in his accomplishments. Here's a man who had tremendous building projects. He built houses. He planted vineyards. And in First Kings, you read some of the things he built. There was a house of Lebanon, a place with massive, a massive building with great pillars, grand cedar beams. He built cities, some of which he even used for storage. Imagine that, a man that needed even cities to store all the goods that he has. His cupboards clearly weren't enough. He had to build entire cities to store them. He was one who even directed the building of beautiful vineyards and orchards, all kinds of fruit trees. So here was a man who tried to work and he tried to find accomplishment in in those things. Like so many today who sought to find meaning even in career, progressing along the career ladder. Then verses 78, he tried possessions. He had lots of possessions, servants, both male and female, buildings and gardens. So much so that he even needed more servants to actually help maintain all these things that he had. And then they had children too. And even the very children began to work for Solomon. He had great riches, silver and gold. Second Chronicles even tells us, King Solomon was so rich, silver was as common in Jerusalem as stones. And he'd even things that he'd accumulated, even from other kings. He had the delights of the sons of men. He had a harem in many ways too. He'd musical instruments as well. He'd musicians that played at all his banquets. He'd status verse 9. He became great. He achieved so much more than any king before. I became greater and my wisdom never failed me. In other words, he's saying, I've lived better than anyone else. I've celebrated harder than anyone else. But yet, he felt empty. Verse 10. Whatever he desired, he didn't keep from them. Whatever his eyes wanted, he took it. He didn't deny himself. He looked upon it, but yet when he looked upon it, he says, all these things I have, my riches, 
my career, my work, the pleasure I gained, it's vanity. It's fleeting. The thing that promised so much when he tried to reach for it, it had disappeared. These things which he thought would bring him pleasure. Solomon says these things are as nothing. Do you know, in life we can achieve many things. But soon that we can discover, while we can have many possessions, pretty soon sometimes those possessions can kind of own us as well. A little bit like someone who buys a very expensive car. Maybe if you've ever, if you've, you've bought a car, you might know what it's like. You know, you've, you've just got that car and you say to yourself, it looks lovely. But then you begin to get a little bit stressed out about the car. When you drive it home, you're driving extra carefully. You don't want to get too close to the curb in case you scratch those lovely alloys. Or, or where are you going to leave the car? What's going to happen to it? Or have I got enough insurance in this thing? What's actually going to happen here? Pretty soon you end up, the things that actually you possess, end up possessing you. They consume your thoughts. They consume your mind. And so Solomon here says, there's something missing. What is the missing piece? Solomon says, I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I expended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity and striving after the wind. And like striving after the wind, he couldn't catch it. There was nothing to be gained under the sun. That last part actually gives us a clue. Because actually Solomon was striving for things under the sun. The one he should have been striving for is the one who even made the very sun in the first place. Instead of looking for his answers and purpose and all around of him, or all around him, he should have been looking up. You see, he was trying, there was a deep spiritual need in his life that only God could satisfy. And here was a man trying to fill it with all the wrong things. His life was all about himself. Did you notice that in the passage? Have a look down at it again, verses 1 to 11. Notice the number of times it says, I. Solomon has a bit of an eye problem here. And he doesn't need to go to the opticians. What he needs to do is to go to God. Because his life was filled with pride. It was filled with his self, his pursuit of just finding meaning for himself. But he was looking in all the wrong places. But how can we find meaning How can we find true purpose and satisfaction in our lives? You know, God has shown us in his word that we can have all the things in this world. We can have possessions, riches, but if we don't have Christ, we have nothing. In Luke chapter 12, Jesus spoke with a man, a man who was in a financial dispute with his brother. And he says these words, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. He then begins to tell him a story. A story perhaps you're maybe familiar with. It's in Luke chapter 12 verse 16 to 21. It's the story of a rich farmer. A farmer who also was prosperous. A farmer who also, like Solomon, had great ambition. And he said to himself, you know, I'm going to build bigger barns. I'm going to increase what I have. I'm collecting all the different crops in and I'm going to build bigger barns and the farm's going to get bigger. And so he built them. 
And he said to himself in an attitude very similar to Solomon here that we've seen in Ecclesiastes 2, he said these words, So you have ample goods led up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Here was a man who thought he was content. He had all he ever wanted or all he ever needed. But God had the final word. God said to him, Fool, because that's what the man was. He's striving after things which could not satisfy. He says, Fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you've prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Here was a man who had many plans. He'd prepared for the future. But, you know, he wasn't prepared for the most important thing. And that was eternity. You know, in life we can have many things. We can make many different plans. But the state of your soul is the most important thing. And when we meet God, when we die and meet the Lord, he won't be concerned about your bank balance. He won't be concerned about how accomplished you are in business. What he will want to know is what you've done with Christ. The one who he sent to be your saviour. And if you reject him, you will go to a lost eternity. How can we fill the emptiness in our life? How can we find meaning? How can we find real worth? Jesus is the answer. We sometimes sing that chorus. Christ is the answer to my every need. You know, later on in that same chapter in Luke's gospel, Jesus says, seek the kingdom of God. God wants us to seek the things that really matter. Not things that are fleeting, not things that are empty, not things that are passing. He wants us to seek Christ. And how can we seek this kingdom? We need to repent of our sin. We need to stop living life for ourselves and look to the Lord. The one who ultimately is in charge of all things. We need to abandon our selfish pride that maybe thinks to ourselves, oh, we can do it our way. We can't. We need the Lord. We need to recognize that all have sinned before God. All. We've broken God's law in many different ways. Think of even our thought life. Think of even the words that you've said. Those idle words that you think maybe no one's even known or heard about. Think of that angry thought you've had at someone. Think of maybe that sinful action you think no one even knows about. The Lord knows. None of us are righteous. No, not even one. But listen, let me tell you something of what Jesus did for you. And talking of riches, let me tell you of true riches. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Christ was willing to leave a place of great riches, true riches, a place of great glory, a place of great splendor, and yet come to earth to be born in humility, to be despised and rejected of men, to be beaten, to be crucified upon a cross, 
Though sinless himself, he did that in order to pay the price for our sin. He took our guilt upon himself, upon that cross. And God's wrath against sin was poured out upon him so you could be forgiven. Don't think that you can treat sin lightly or that God takes it lightly because it required the very death of his son, the very life, death, and his resurrection. Praise God, he raised him from the dead and he is alive in heaven today. You see, he did that. He became poor of no reputation. He did that so you could be spiritually rich. You know, there was a man I always used to remember from Brahma, the church where I grew up. And he always used to love these acronyms. And no doubt you'll have heard of this one. Grace, he said. Great riches at Christ's expense. Through Christ, he gives us true riches. What riches am I talking about? Here's what it truly means to be rich in Christ. In Christ, we find meaning and purpose. Instead of living for ourselves, we can now live for God. In Christ, we discover a love that is greater than any we could experience in this world. Because no other person loves us as fully or completely as he does. In Christ, there is unspeakable joy. And we can know peace, a peace that is not dependent just on our circumstances, a joy that is not just dependent on our circumstances, because it's a peace and a joy that is deeper, that can endure even amidst troubling times. In this world without hope, where can we find hope? In Christ, there is real hope, a hope that is grounded in our standing with God through faith in him. In Christ we have one who is a constant companion. One who doesn't leave us or forsake us when times get tough. One who is ever there with us. In Christ we have real forgiveness. And in Christ real change is possible. That's what it means to be truly rich in this life. To know real forgiveness. To know real joy. To know real peace. And that can't be found in all those things that we maybe think provide meaning. It can be found in the Lord. The one who loves you so much that he sent Jesus to be that way to him. In order to reconcile sinners to God. He was the one who sent him to pay that price. To bring us these things. He came, he told his disciples, that your joy may be full. We were made for fellowship with God. He is that missing peace. The Lord is that missing peace in your life. You know, Augustine was a man who before knowing the Lord, like Solomon, he indulged himself in every sinful pleasure he could think of. But yet when he found Christ, he wrote these famous words. And you'll know them well, I'm sure. Thou hast made us for yourself, O God, and our heart is restless. Until it finds rest in thee. See the point is. Without Christ. Life is empty. He is the only one. Who can satisfy. You know I've been reading John's gospel. Recently. And there Jesus says. In John 6 verse 35. He says I am the bread of life. And he who comes to me. Shall never hunger. 
and he who believes in me shall never thirst. And verse 40 of John 6, this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him has everlasting life. You know, what is your appetite striving for tonight? Are you trying to seek after things that are fleeting? In the area where I minister in Shankill, there are so many who are trying to find life and seeking pleasures that are fleeting, who are trying to maybe find it. They think they can find happiness at the bottom of a bottle. Instead, they find it only leaves them with pain, with broken homes even as well. There are many who are even sadly like Tony Hancock. They're actually committing suicide because they are seeking this satisfaction in things that are fleeting. What will you seek satisfaction in tonight? Will you seek it in something that is empty, in something that is vain? Or will you seek it in Christ? But to the believer here, what are we striving for tonight? May it never be said that we're just simply trying to amass things up here on this earth. Let us invest ourselves in things that are of eternal value. You know, I conducted the funeral of a man a a few uh, months ago. And in his little Bible, he had these words underlined and a little thought written beside them. This was the goal of his life. And in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 to 14, listen to what he sought in his life. He found that meaning in Christ and he wrote this. Of Philippians 3, verses 12 to 14, he highlighted these words. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus had made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward high call in Christ Jesus. Here was a man who realized that actually true fulfillment was found in Christ. He knew of that joy. That man through his life, though in ill health for many years, he still was able to testify to that fact. Even though, even when his health was failing, he knew still of the joy of the Lord. Even in the midst of death, his family was able to give thanks. Why? Because they knew he had a home led up in heaven because of Christ Jesus. He had that faith. He hadn't just amassed treasures up here in this earth. He was looking forward to a greater home. A greater home because he trusted in Christ Jesus, the one who is the way there. You know, this morning... We were looking at Malachi's prophecy. We talked about how the Edomites, as we talked about God's steadfast love, the Edomites had rejected God though and how they would be judged. But you know, there is a danger of a hard heart. And perhaps if you're not a Christian here tonight, you maybe have heard the gospel explained, the good news of Jesus Christ explained many, many times. But maybe as yet you've not taken that step. Maybe in life you have tried finding happiness but in all the wrong places. You've tried these things and they've been found wanting. Can I urge you to seek Christ? To seek the one who won't turn you away. 
To seek the one who can forgive sin. To seek the one who can make you a new creation in him. What are you striving for tonight? Christ is the one who satisfies. If you hear God speaking, don't harden your heart. But rather, answer his call today. Where is your hope found? My hope is in Christ Jesus. My joy is in Christ Jesus. My satisfaction is in Christ Jesus. And as we close tonight, we're going to sing of a hymn which reminds us of the one whom our very hope is found. It's in Christ alone. And as we sing the words of this hymn, it will just very simply marvel at the great joy there is in Christ Jesus. How he came to be that way to God. But how he still welcomes even sinners to come to him today. We'll stand and sing this hymn together and then I'll close in prayer.